Yeah, what's up, everyone? If you're watching this, you're probably watching the watch back because uh, knowing it by the time you get the notification and open this. So I actually have a really awesome guest today. Today, I have Chris Walker. Chris Walker, CEO of uh, Refine Labs. And before we get into what Refine Labs is and a little bit about Chris, uh, I want to talk about why we're actually having this. And I might bring this back up later as we get more people on the call. So I'm very much into LinkedIn ads. Everyone knows that. That's been my obsession forever. That being said, though, once in a while, someone puts out content that says, you know what? Maybe there's a little bit more YOLO than what you actually believe. And you're like, what? YOLO? Humble? Humility? All right. Maybe a little bit. So uh, Chris Walker puts out some great content on LinkedIn, another excellent content creator, and also has got a fabulous podcast. We'll get into podcasting. We'll get into content. We'll get into that. But the main reason why I have him on is because he is a big user of Facebook ads for B2B, something that I'm generally, um, lack of a better word, uh, against or try to talk people out of. So uh, we had a couple conversations um, talking privately about LinkedIn ads versus Facebook ads and all that stuff. And uh, then and I thought he had some valid points, even though I disagreed. And I was like, you know what? This is too good for us to talk privately. We need to bring this out to you. Let's give you this value. So we're going to throw down a debate or more probably a really polite discussion. And I'm sure we're going to agree probably more than we disagree. But we have two different perspectives. And we've both succeeded in creating a lot of pipeline, a lot of value, and a lot of revenue for our clients. Um, Chris leaning for B2B more on Facebook and me leaning more on LinkedIn. And we're going to talk about how they're the same and how they're different. So Chris, sorry I spoke so long till I actually... Uh, let you speak. So why don't you tell us a little about yourself, your company, and uh, kind of a little about your background and a little bit of your how you see marketing different from everybody else. Yeah, for sure. I think leaning toward Facebook ads is the right um, the right way to say it. Like we use LinkedIn ads, we use Facebook ads, we use Google ads, we use YouTube ads. It's just about how they get mixed together. Um, and over time, I found as we've if once we see success on Facebook, as we move more budget to there, the pipeline and the revenue goes up as well. And so um, to get a little bit back to, you know, what I do and where I came from, I've spent five years in in-house at venture-backed companies, um, growing them, building demand gen functions for them, building out teams, um, seeing those um, seeing those results. And so um, after about five years there and seeing success at two companies and being able to do it faster and felt like I had like a repeatable model, about 15 months ago, I started a company um, to do that. And we've been able to grow pretty quickly. We currently work with 12 um, software as a service companies, mainly uh, in North America, but a couple in Europe as well. And are uh, up to seven people on the team. Awesome. Sweet. All right. First off, if anyone has any comments, questions, leave them in. We'll make sure to address them. Um, and yeah. All right. Sweet. So let's get right into it. So do you, when you first, before you started your own uh, Refine Labs and your agency, were you using more and the success that you had uh, working in-house, working at companies? Were you using Facebook or LinkedIn or both? Or tell me a little bit about kind of like your social media marketing background. Yeah, for sure. So um, in 2015, I was working at a company. We were selling into hospitals specifically in the, in the United States to medical directors and emergency room nurses and respiratory therapists. And the great thing about that audience is the job titles are very clear cut. The things that they studied in college are very clear cut the professional associations that they're a part of are very clear cut. And so we were able to run that, um, run ads directly to those people on Facebook with almost 90, 95% market penetration there, um, at a very low cost. And so, um, over time, as I kind of refined the model, I did the Facebook lead gen ads for eBooks. I did the Facebook things to get a quote, to get a demo. And then I watched how those played through the pipeline 
and found deemed that they didn't work that well, especially in the sales conversions. Um, not that the quality of the people weren't good. We got ICP conversions. They just didn't play out all the way to revenue. And so over time, I've shifted the strategy, which is mainly a communication-focused strategy, not a lead gen strategy. Okay, so explain to me. So tell me more about that because I'd like to add it. I've discovered the same thing, even within LinkedIn ads. Um, that great leads, downloaded content, very relevant, and then uh, the cost per leads like phenomenal, and then they don't then they don't move down the pipeline. They don't turn into revenue. So uh, w w what have you learned? So did you think did using Facebook help, or what difference have you made? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done this experiment on Facebook and on LinkedIn using direct response conversions, either for ebooks to nurtures, ebooks to SDRs, or demos to directly to account executives on both platforms over and over, probably over 20 times at a handful of different companies. And what I found is, yes, the cost per lead is great. The people are directly in the ICP. But when you watch the funnel metrics, once they get past the sales, they don't actually materialize to revenue. And so... Um, because of that. So I think we're aligned there, right? I think we're aligned that that sometimes that doesn't work, but that is the play that most companies are running. And so they right. have good, they have good cost per lead. They have good lead volume metrics. Those people are in the ICP. They're from a leading metric standpoint. If you're just looking at the ad platform to the lead, the marketing metrics, marketing right. looks like everything's going great. But then if you mm -hmm. actually like as a marketer, when I started looking at the entire funnel all the way to revenue, I started to realize what marketing activities worked and which ones didn't when you map it to that, not on a marketing metric like leads. And so over time, I started to change. Instead of having someone fill out a form to get an ebook, I just started giving them the content. So instead of running lead gen ads, I would run link click ads or traffic focused ads that would, mm -hmm. bring, that would bring people to pages that would then explain in a short form blog or a short form case study or whatever type of thing about the product or the result or the market or the pain points or whatever. Um, and when you start doing that, it, over time you start to realize that if you wanna do that effectively, you can't pay eight to $15 cost per clicks to do that effectively on LinkedIn unless you're selling a super, super, super high ACV product or a product that's to a very, very narrow audience. Okay, so let me give some, first off, there, there's a great, comment from Alex of uh, Alex Panchuk that I want to address in a minute. Um, but um, yeah, so what you're bringing up is a great point. So let me give you, let me tell you just a little bit from my experience and, and we'll address what Alex says. I, so what I've learned is that, I mean, I had right, great metrics, everything looked great. Um, I was working for the cybersecurity company. Uh, this was amazing work. And what I found was one of their white papers, we were getting calls per downloads of exactly the right profiles, the route from LinkedIn, with phone numbers and emails for $40 a lead, right? Phenomenal, mm -hmm. Makes right? Sense. For yeah. this, exactly what I great. And so what we started at DM, we had other white papers too. We had a bunch of gated content and this white paper was performing so well and we, and it was, let's say middle funnel, um, that well, we, we just put more and more budget into it and we started to scale it. Everything looked great. A few, several months in, what we did, uh, we started, we did like a full pipeline review with the sales team, see what's going on. And we were seeing what went like past demo. So basically to get a wider net instead of not who closed, but let's say who's wanted to speak to a salesperson again after they already got a demo, right? So very interested. And so we were looking at what have they downloaded? And we found out we ended up spending uh, like 30 to 40% of our, of our lead gen on this one gated content but only like 10% uh, of the actual, 10% uh, of those that actually, let's say, 
spoke to a salesperson the second time after the demo have actually downloaded or read or knew about that content. So uh, we found out other things that were, let's say, downloading at $125 were much, much, much more likely to help them you know, get to the decision phase um, with the salespeople. And I see this often when I audit accounts, that, you know, when I speak to people like, oh, the numbers are great. I'm working with the agency. Everything looks great on the dashboard, like you said. But then they go in and they're like, yeah, but they're not turning into pipeline. They're not turning into revenue. And that, and that's, and that's really the, and that's when I started to see, ah, there's a lot more than here. Uh, Moises says, what's up? Thanks for sharing Alex. So this is a comment. If the yep. leads didn't move to revenue, then I guess sales teams weren't quite good. Marketers did their job. Well, smiley face. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? I have a few comments on that from different angles and it's, it's very, it's interesting comment that I don't think, I think a lot of people think the same thing. Yeah. A lot of people are thinking the same thing, Alex. Um, what I learned five years ago is that, and most people feel this way, but that it's just not true, okay? And so what I found is the number one predictor of whether or not a lead is going to close to revenue is how they got to you, not not how the sales cadence was. And I'll give you an example. So we were working at the, the medical device company in 2015, 2016, and we were sending leads to different reps. And depending, the number one factor of whether or not they closed is whether they came through a demo, whether they came through an ebook, whether it was cold outbound, that action then had the biggest impact on whether or not they closed. And so we were give, I was giving leads to people that were three-year tenure that knew the whole market and knew exactly what they're doing. And I also gave leads to people that had been there for seven days and had never walked into a hospital. And the end result of the funnel metrics were the same. So there were sales reps that didn't even know what a, like how to get to an ER in a hospital. That's what we were selling to. And they were able to close these deals that normally had a 180 day sales cycle and one, one person closed it in 14 days. And so like, I, I don't believe that I, I believe that that is marketers making an excuse, um, for not doing the right marketing activities that actually drive revenue instead of just leads. So you think the first, how the first way they came into the pipeline is more important than what happens once they're in. I do as long as the sales rep doesn't doesn't mess up the deal. Like I think a sales rep. Oh yeah, yeah, sales rep. They can step over. And also, by the way, marketers can screw up the deal too. Mark, yeah. No, I'm just uh, <laughs> learned this the hard way years ago. I mean, I'll be honest. This is how you learn. But mar marketers like blaming sales reps because their cadences weren't good enough is not not a healthy way to be a marketer on a revenue team. Right, and by the way, and vice versa too. For yeah. salespeople to blame the, the marketing isn't the way. The, the truth is, now everyone talks about this. You know, the synergy between marketing and sales. We got, you know, blah blah blah. We heard it a million times. Uh, we don't have to go into it here. I'm sure audiences are already aware. We need to make sure we're working together. Um, but um, yeah, but you do need to work together. I will give a quite uh, a quick tip. Something we've been doing a lot for some clients. That and then we'll go into Facebook because I'll ask you, hey, can you do this on Facebook too? What's your experience? Um, we'll start with some of the advantages and we'll get into we'll get into this uh, we'll get into this conversation, the subject to conversation, LinkedIn versus Facebook. So we do um, ABM ABM targeting on LinkedIn. Uh, we make an ABM uh, for certain clients that their sales team has already given demos to and they're speaking to them and they're very, very, very low funnel. And basically they're definitely going to move forward with their product or a competitor's product. And uh, basically we take objections and we run ads to 
the ABM of certain clients because you got to get at least 300 of a handful of clients and all of the job titles that are involved in the decision makers, the influencers, and everyone that's involved. And then we show them ads, not gated, of course, they're already speaking to a salesperson based on the objection. So if it's you versus competitors, you might have a blog about that. If it's um, if it's pain, uh, certain pain points that say, uh, is the technology, is it too difficult? Is it too risky? Uh, questions about price. These are things they might want to kind of discover on their own, but don't want to speak to a salesperson. So by, let's say, having blogs and content about this and serving this to them in an APM on LinkedIn, they're able to now, they might think they're targeted because of the target audience or because remarketing because they've been in their site they don't know we're actually giving regular blogs or pieces to them because of their objections to help them close and it really makes it much easier for your sales team uh that's an example alex uh, that people can uh that people can use it to get uh people can you know marketing and sales can work together uh can you do something like that on facebook uh, what kind of marketing can you do on facebook you say uh, post demo yeah i mean marketing to active pipeline is very smart um, so on, on LinkedIn, it's easier cause you can pull the target accounts and you can go and you can pick the functions or the seniority level or however you want and get to those people on LinkedIn. We've been recently using custom audiences on Facebook to accomplish almost the same thing. Um, and so that has been working considerably well over the past, uh, maybe like months since we've been experimenting with that. Um, and we are after, uh, a way to be able to use Facebook with the same targeting quality as LinkedIn. That's what we're working on. It's, but so how do you do that? I mean, so can let's get right into it. Facebook, can you do ABM? Um, we are working on a ability to do it. It's in beta with a couple clients right now. And so why don't you walk me through that? So right now, if someone wanted to just use the platform, they couldn't do Facebook ads, ABM. Yeah, so we pull a, a target account list out of Salesforce mm -hmm. and we get a CSV of those accounts. And then we use a contact database to figure out all of the people inside of the job titles or the functions that are in those accounts. And then we download all of those people's names and then we upload them into Facebook with a match rate of somewhere between 25 and 50 percent. And then we market to those people directly on Facebook for about 20 times less the cost. Right. So it's much cheaper. So you're at the expense, you're getting price at the expense of match rate. Sorry? Yes. Would you say like what you're... Well, you're paying per click. It's a fraction, but your match rate is also a fraction. Yeah, I mean, we're paying 10% of cost per click, cost per traffic. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. So, but, so if you wanted to, hypothetically, uh, push back here, dude, if you want. Um, if you wanted, hypothetically, to hit these, so like if you wanted to hit everyone that's at the bottom pipeline or certain, you just have to assume that you won't be able to. Like if you're like, I need to reach these people, you'll say, we'll be able to reach 20 to 50% of them. Uh, we won't be able to say, I'll be able to reach 90% like you can on LinkedIn. Yeah, on these on these platforms, it's like if you're building a house, you have certain tools for certain things, right? Okay. And so um, it's this is not about a one or the other. It's when is the appropriate time to use each tool. Right. Um, and so... Um, if you want to hit everyone in an account and you're selling a million dollar ACV product, like maybe you should spend money on LinkedIn. If you're selling a thousand dollar ACV product, it's not going to work. So you're going to have to figure out other. Right, you can't do LinkedIn. I, I say yeah. I, I tell them you got to have revenue of thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in order to use to to really use to use ads to be able to scale LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't, then you just it should be an important part of your funnel. Maybe you know remarketing, re-engaging, or for sales, but if you don't. Um, so would you, under what circumstances, let's say for, you know, there's like a million dollar ACV, let's say, you would use, when would you use Facebook over LinkedIn? Other than cost per clicks, which is huge, because that also means cost per conversions and cost per leads. You don't get, you don't get the scale and the targeting like LinkedIn has. 
uh, we, uh, the scale and the targeting together, <coughs> you can get some of the decent targeting. Um, uh, actually, let me ask in a different way. Yeah. Um, B2B. So you used to be able to do much better targeting on Facebook, if I remember correctly. Uh, Before 2007, 2018, or 18, I think July 2018. You could exactly. you do pure account-based targeting. By the way, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I, they call it a scandal. Do you, do you um, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but like I could go in and pick any single company, that, even if they had 50 employees, and target them directly on Facebook. And then one day it just went away. Yeah, I know, I know. And you were able to target people by uh, well, uh, net worth, um, the money they mm -hmm. made. I mean, the net worth. I think huge. the net worth. I think still plays. It's just based on zip codes. So it's like uh, average, so average it's net worth inside data. of yeah, a zip you used code. To buy yeah. Third party data. Yeah. Okay, got it. All right, Alex uh, has got something for you. Yo, Chris, how do you upload those uh, SO, uh, uh, Salesforce leads to Facebook manually or automatically, like Zapier? God, Zapier. So it's uh, constantly updating. First of all, what are your thoughts on Zapier? Um, I don't need to use Zapier because we use HubSpot, and HubSpot actually builds direct integrations, unlike Pardot and Marketo. Right. You like Pardot? No, I think Pardot's a piece of shit. Yeah, I feel like that's the consensus. Yeah. So in terms of this, there's uh, there's a couple ways you can go about it. Um, you can do it both manually and automatically. So um, Salesforce uh, leads or accounts. So Salesforce leads, they go into HubSpot, and then we have HubSpot has a direct integration to build custom audiences. So you can take all those contacts, and then it'll automatically <laughs> build an audience and sync in real time based on whatever criteria you choose that you have data for. Um, alternatively, you can do it manually if you want to export either the email. You somehow need personal or you need contact email addresses to build the audience. And so you can export a CSV of those leads and then import them manually and build a custom audience off of that. Same thing goes for LinkedIn. If you, right, yeah, say that for LinkedIn. If you use email matched audiences on, a, uh, if you were to upload, let's say, customer list just directly to Facebook, what's the, what's the match rate you're experiencing? Somewhere between 25 and 50%. Okay, cool. Kind of like kind of like LinkedIn, actually. Yeah. Uh, most, people actually use, most people use higher. their personal email. Most people use their personal email address in their LinkedIn profile as well. Correct. You know why? Yeah. Because they're going to move companies at some point. Mm -hmm. So I, I was speaking to the head of product at LinkedIn when he was in Tel Aviv, and I was like, and "This is everyone's problem, man, because you ask for the business email, and fifty percent of the time you get a private email." And I'm like, "When someone just changes jobs, why don't you just ask them? Ask them. Don't force them." to put in a work email and he gave some terrible answer. And then someone from LinkedIn privately told me there was actually another reason that he can't publicly share why they don't do it. And I was like, all right, <laughs> you should have said that because I just thought he was an idiot. Uh, all right, Francine Haliva. Hey, Francine, what's good? She said, uh, so these are not content ads then. Are they directing to blogs instead? Um, I, what do you, Francine, can you elaborate? What do you, yeah, I just don't, to? I don't see the difference. It's, it's diff, the difference is they're both the content, they're both content ads. It's whether you're requiring someone to fill out information to get the content or if it's ungated. That's right. I, well, I was wondering maybe if her comment was for something a little earlier in our conversation. Yeah. Uh, Danielle Rod, I think she's a fan of yours. Um, uh, uh, she, she's a big fan of your podcast. Hey guys, love the two of you connected. She's also a client. What models have you been, uh, have you seen there? That are good. Yeah, that are doing a good job on LinkedIn and Facebook. What's your take on uh, to compete campaigns on Facebook and LinkedIn by competing uh, on compete? Okay, competitor campaigns. I think is what you mean. Mm -hmm. But you want to? Why don't you hit this first? Again, it just comes back to using the right tool for the right thing. So I, I don't see like running the exact same campaigns on both. I use Facebook when I need scale 
and I need cost efficiency. So high, higher up in the funnel, I'm going to use. Wait, how do, how do you get scale? No, cost efficiency on Facebook, I understand. And I'll give that back. You don't get yeah. scale on Facebook for B2B. Why not? Well, I get, okay, it depends on your target audience. Let's say I'm targeting CISOs. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I can hit up any any CISO on LinkedIn, LinkedIn's audience network, almost, basically. I have the scale. If I want to hit CISOs of enterprise companies, okay? Or let's say uh, CISOs of only, uh, you know, that are, let's say, a, only in retail. Is this a targeting question or a usage question? Targeting question. Yeah, because, like, the CISO still uses Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, but, right? so, but how do you target them? I understand that. They might yeah. still use Facebook. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, you can do custom audiences, lower match rate. That's one way to do it. Um, or you could use some other type of interest or job title targeting, which can work knowing that you're going to not hit the exact same people, but the co the lower cost is worth Based it for the match rate. I understand. Yeah. So I, I feel like what we're going to, what we're going to grab here, right. Is from, you're going to say is that you'll get, you won't be able to hit hundred percent your audience. You'll be able to hit like 20 to 40% of your audience on Facebook, but you're going to be paying significant less for each, each of those hits. You're, I think you're going to hit the same amount of the audience. You're just going to also hit people that are irrelevant. Ah, uh, got it. Oh yeah. God, then you have to deal with that headache of you're providing shitty leads. If you're doing lead gen campaigns, which we don't, right. so we don't right. have to worry right. about it. Right, right, that, That's a whole other conversation. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll get to that. And, and hope, God willing, people go that direction. Uh, that actually be a great topic. Uh, Ron Gilman says, I like when you pros say that, say that they really think. They really think it? I don't think I'm following. Are you? <laughs> what were we referring to? You're not following? Not. Ron, can you uh, elaborate? Francine says, uh, so if it's ungated, how do we generate leads? Ah, okay. We, we, uh, let's get into this in a minute. Let, let, let's pivot. Let, let's, okay. let's talk a little bit more about Facebook and LinkedIn. And yeah. I think we should talk about this because I'm really passionate about it because I know other marketing agencies here in Israel that also serve similar audience B2B technology companies on the cybersecurity and they gate everything. And I haven't gated anything. Um, so uh, that's a great question. But let's get to that in a minute, Francine. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about Facebook and LinkedIn because I'm following you, but I'm yeah. not. Yeah, so where I was going, so like yeah. is in higher funnel where we're going for scale. And another point on this is like if you're selling to the CISO or whatever it is, not, yeah. they're not the only person that makes the decision. There are 50 right. people I was using that, that I was using as an yeah, example. There are 50 people that work that. underneath them that right. also influence that decision. And on, oftentimes like someone underneath them actually makes the decision and they just approve it. And so I don't understand why we're only marketing to that person. And so I'm going to find other ways to market to the whole market on Facebook, professional association, interests, um, technology use, different things like that. So for more top of funnel or mid funnel for that matter, uh, and when I'm going for scale, I'm going to use Facebook and things that are more narrow targeted where I want to get exactly to that person, I'm going to run on LinkedIn. And so it's more about just knowing when to use which component. Like very rarely, the only the only time where we'll use kind of like both platforms in the same way would be a case study. Anything lower funnel um, will be probably moved more toward LinkedIn. Right, I understand that. Okay, so lower funnel more towards LinkedIn. And I see what you're saying. Okay, so let's say you got a, like a, a ten to thirty million. We, we have a client; it's exceptional, ten to thirty million dollar ACV. Okay, yep. very huge. They were saying on our call yesterday that their CEO speaks to the CEO of AT and T. It's like that kind of thing. And we're only targeting VPs, right? And only targeting VP, v, VPs in the C-suite, v, certain VPs, like 40% of VPs are relevant, actually. The, the technology is that serious. Um, so my, uh, so, and, and actually, I can tie this into the non-gated stuff, but 
I'll try not to. Um, so I mean, I, I and they have a certain we have an ABM of literally like 30 companies. That's it. It's the only people that can be their clients, yep. right? And with that ACV, obviously, you can assume that it's narrow and all that, and the, the connections that are made at the top. That being said, I mean, I still don't see how you can actually reach all those decision makers and make sure everyone's kind of being targeted throughout the pipeline because they they can't they, they don't have a huge audience. We're going after 30 companies only, like 30 tier one, 50 tier two companies, you know. Yeah, and like and we have to hit them because they need to win over, you know, a client a year, let's just say, right? So, but, and it's very difficult to switch over costs. It's, the sales cycle is like insane, four years. Yeah. So, I mean, wouldn't you recommend, how do you think that's possible Facebook? Or you just say, no, something that, that strategic, that specific on ABM, that specific on how senior someone you want to hit, and people usually not giving over that information over on Facebook, um, do you think we'll be able to target them? Or uh, how, would, how would you, what would you recommend? I think that is a is a LinkedIn play, but heavy organic content in other channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're doing that's a lot what, of LinkedIn that's what organic I would do. Guys. I would spend I would spend a lot of time on podcast, long form right. video interviews with thought leaders, those types of things, and then obviously the company of that size is going to be doing heavy outbound too. Yeah, yeah, but the by the yeah, that's the kind of company they don't even have a demo request or, or for contact for more information on their website. Yeah. They don't even have a demo. It's that, it's that kind of company. Yeah, so we're doing a lot of blogs right now. We're doing a little bit of gated. Um, the like, Facebook piece, just to just to be clear, works best in companies that are less than 100K ACV, where got you, 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 got a bit, you got more scale. So I, I think basically our disagreement is that I think we're talking to two different audiences, is that we serve two different audiences. Sure. Is that I think you're able to serve more companies with a lower, that are B2B, that are lower, much lower ACV, and I'm working with probably more technology companies that are enterprises that are maybe a higher ACV, not that one's better than the other, but uh, I, I think maybe is, is that it? So could you give me an example of, let's say one of one of my clients, let's say most, most Israeli, com most Israeli companies are, are uh, which is our main audience is their technology startups, a lot of cybersecurity, um, right? They wanna reach enterprises. ACVs are very, very, very high. Their products are extremely important, um, especially recently with a lot of cyber attacks going on. Um, what do you, how do you recommend them use Facebook? The high, high ACV is a little over a million. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point it's a, it's a pure awareness and education play. And I do think, I do think there's a place for it. Um, but most companies will not do it for a couple of reasons. One, they're emotional about the idea that Facebook is a B2C platform, not a B2B platform, um, which I think is just flat out wrong. And the second one, is that they're not okay with running content without getting a lead? Okay, not, the, the second okay. one we'll get to in a minute. What, yeah. what do you mean B two B? What do you mean Facebook's not a B? Are you saying Facebook is a B two B platform, or are most, you saying most people would say that Facebook is not a B two B platform? I get pushed. Correct. Back. I, I, my, yes, I agree. My, my customers don't use Facebook. Meanwhile, we're converting the CFO at the Kansas City Chiefs on Facebook. Like, okay, I understand. Okay, cool. I got that. Okay. But if your target audience isn't Kansas City Chiefs, but let's say it's the CFO of Coca-Cola. And you don't think that person uses Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp? No, or I'm not saying that. I'm asking you, how would you do it? Um, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. Okay, got it. Okay, so you, you wouldn't because you can or you wouldn't because it's going to be... I'm tired. Like, if I'm going after CFOs, I can go in there and type CFO into Facebook and I can target all of them and I'm going to... But, yeah. but if you don't... So I was looking, I was looking at a prospect. I was looking up at... Um, 
not a prospect, someone I was interviewing yeah. uh, recently. And so I was, I was looking at her social on Facebook, uh, right, just, just to kind of get a vibe for her. And I said, like, she hasn't, and I looked on LinkedIn, she hasn't updated where she works at two jobs in five years. Sure. People that, so I think people don't update what, I mean, she's far more senior. She works at a, a, a company that would reflect much more positive only than the ones that she currently has on Facebook, which is two mm -hmm. jobs ago. So, I mean, how would I be able to, tar how would I be able to target her? It, it really depends what you're trying to do. Like, I, I feel like we're going in circles here. It's like, I feel like we are too. That's if, if, if you to. need to, if you need to go more narrow, or you need to go to a specific person at a specific account, maybe LinkedIn is a better place. If you're going for scale okay. and there's a way to get there, then you can do it on Facebook. Got it. Okay. So you're going to scale. Got it. So we, you, what size audience do you think would be better to use Facebook over LinkedIn at a price point? Is there kind of an audience size that you recommend? It, just, it really just depends on the targeting. I feel like the targeting, the ACV of the company, whether or not you can get to that person. So if I'm selling to like the medical example is easy. If I'm selling to CNC machinists or an industry specific job title, construction project managers, any of those things, if the job title you can get to on Facebook, you may as well use the platform. Um, so yeah, right. if you can, okay, legit respect. I, I respect that. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, if it's available, then we go Facebook first. If it's not, then we're going to go LinkedIn. If the company criteria, the ACV of the product, the, all these different things make sense, even sense to use LinkedIn. I think a lot of companies use LinkedIn and it doesn't even make business sense to do it. And they make neg negative revenue off of that channel. Um, and so, but if you can get to them on Facebook for a lot of different reasons. I'm going to use Facebook heavy and I'm going to supplement with LinkedIn to higher seniority level targeting or account targeting. All right, cool. So let me do just to get final clarity and then let's move on to gated versus ungated and some comments. Um, if you, the, what's the biggest ACV client that you have? Um, a lot of our, a lot of our clients play in the 25 to 50 K ACV range, and then they'll have the enterprise deals that are hundred to 500 K. So let's talk. Let's talk about the enterprise. You can keep a client in mind that has one of the, that you're focusing on enterprise. For that target audience, uh, how much of your budget is going to Facebook? How much is going to LinkedIn? And yeah, the, Google. Since yeah, sure the, the difference is like these products have have two places. Like as you move up in company size, you're going to have the 500k ARR deal, but a majority of the company is going to fit into this 25 to 50k deal, and so there's both at the same time. Um, and so we're going to have some account-based targeting on LinkedIn. We're figuring out account-based targeting on Facebook. If we can figure that out, then we'll, we'll move more budget there. Um, but I would say that the mix allocation for that type of company is going to be 15% paid search, 10% YouTube, 50 to 60% Facebook and the remainder on LinkedIn. Awesome. So when you said you're developing this thing, is this thing you're working on on your own? Yeah. Awesome. When do you think it'll be ready? When do you think it'll be in beta? So maybe I can try to introduce it to a client or two. We're uh, we're trying it on a couple of clients right now, and it's 100% manual at the moment. So we're more in a proof of concept. All right. When you get there, let us know. We'd love to try it. It's good. By it. the way, respect. You know, marketing people I speak, uh, marketing companies or agencies or whatever, and they're not innovative at all. We're also building our own tools for our clients, and it's amazing that you're doing that. So yeah, it's also it's it's innovation on tools to use certain channels. It's also innovation on tactics. And so a lot of companies like the SEO agency that grew in 2011 that hasn't done anything else except for SEO up until today, even though the way people discover and buy products has changed over the past 10 years. And so it's like we're constantly innovating on content types and channels and distribution mediums and all these different things, both online and and uh, in person or field marketing. 
Awesome, sweet. All right, uh, Ron Gillen says, uh, "I just like what uh, I just like the pros. I like what you guys the way you guys think." Uh, Francine was trying. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. And oh, Ron just said he was giving us a compliment. Thanks. Okay, so let's get into ungated versus. Uh, if it's ungated, how do you generate leads? I know you want. I know you. Uh, let me get you a little softball. You're, you're, all right, knock that one out because <laughs> I was pitching to you and softball. All right, this is this is all right. I, th I think we came to clarity. We're no longer running in circles. People understand. Mm -hmm. So it's really it's an ACV and a targeting thing. Um, and, and the pros for Facebook is obviously is price, but at the expense of match rate. Um, mm -hmm. And when your product is ready, when you're ready to test it, I know I have some clients that are, are definitely would be interested in giving it a shot. So you definitely cool. have some people here. Awesome. So I, and I'm really excited to see it because I'm sure it's gonna be great. All right. So gated versus ungated. First, um, let's discuss the obvious, right? Why do people gate? People gate because if you want to know more information, they want to be able to market to you and control the conversation or be in touch with you on their on their terms. More Second, or less, right? Secondarily, they want to prove that their marketing did something. Yes, yes. There's always like politics or something, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good. That's a great. That's a great point, by the way. I it seems so commonsensical, but it didn't occur to me. Okay. And then, um, so how would you say? So tell me, why shouldn't you gain? Because making people jump through hoops in order to get the content prevents them from actually consuming the content. So you are just paying an expensive amount of money to get someone's email address. And at that point, you may as well just use Zoom info and download their contact information for a dollar. Okay, got it. But if they, but how do you know the people that information that you're downloading are the people that have read that content? Yeah, so let's look at the like look at the ebook example, and I would encourage anyone that's listening to. I'm going to play some devil's advocate, by the way. I, yeah, I, yeah, and no, I would love it. I would, yeah, uh, I would, I would really encourage people to to analyze what I'm about to say because I did it in 2015, and it completely changed the way that I do marketing. We were running ebook campaigns, paid social, both LinkedIn and Facebook, to download an ebook. Okay, so they go in, they download the ebook. Over the next coming two to four weeks, we got. Uh, over 500 people to download the ebook. And then we looked, so what's going to happen in a common ebook flow is that you're going to uh, have that integrated into your marketing automation or CRM. And then you're going to send an auto reply email with the content because most people that are downloading an ebook on mobile or most people that are getting ads in a social feed are on mobile. And so they're going to go through and they're actually not going to read the entire piece of content directly when they download it. Right. So you're going to send the auto reply email for two reasons. One, because you want them to have it afterwards. Two, because you want them to click the link so you can drop cookies in their browser and track them from and, there. And one more reason, I I say I always had to, I always say you want them to get you you want them to a plus is you want them to get used to seeing an email from you in their inbox. Yeah. So then when you send them the next email on whatever it is, it's not like what the hell is this? Yep. And so and so from there if you go and look at the click through rate of the auto reply email, you'll recognize that um, way less people that are giving you their email address are actually even getting a chance to read the content because the click through rates are somewhere between 10 and 30%. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Slow down here. You're, you're, you're saying when people want to download something and then you email it to them, they actually open through and then actually read open, let's say the ebook or the white paper at up to 30%. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that less than 30% of people that download it even get in to start reading it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it. Right. Okay. And so you're, if, if reading the content was the whole point, 
then you might you can triple your CPL because people aren't actually reading it or however yeah, I don't you want think that's to. their goal. I think their goal is to capture the lead so they can say that they have the leads and they can precisely sales and they can it's a num and then it's a numbers game for them. Like, yep. look, I got fifty leads, ten of them are relevant, forty I'll bother, they'll mm -hmm. unsubscribe. Maybe we'll call them if we got desperate, at least we can. Maybe we'll close one and we'll keep our doors open. Yep. And we'll then so you, that now you have cold targeted direct attribution of original source of where they came from. So you know that the first touch point was on a LinkedIn lead gen ad. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've been running that play for 12 months, you should be able to look back over the last 12 months and see how many of those people became customers. And then you, should, and then you should be able to, and then you should be able to calculate your customer acquisition costs and make and understand whether or not it makes sense for your business and your business goals. And also compare it to what other things you could be doing with that money to potentially have a lower customer acquisition cost. So um, uh, we, we, I, I had success with the client. This is what they did for uh, MQL. This is how they did. They're an extremely technical client, okay? Uh, very high CV. They had an extremely technical piece. In order for them to be MQL, they had to do two things. They had to read this piece. Like you wouldn't even click on the link. Like you wouldn't even understand what you're clicking on. It's a foreign language. Unless you're a certain, it's extremely technical. And in addition, they had it to download something else. If that was the case, they would call them. Because then they're 100%, they're in market and they're definitely the right person if they read that piece. And if they went ahead and did something else and voluntarily gave their information over, mm -hmm. even if it was gated, which you could say is wrong, but they're 100% in market and ready to execute. Yep. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think that is marketers pretending that leads are inbound so that they can go outbound. Right. Okay. And what's wrong with that? There's I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, there's two things that I think psychologically happen. I think one, if you go outbound to somebody that's not ready to talk to you, you might actually kill deals that you eventually could have won. That's a theory. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's very it's very difficult to test that. Right. Um, so that's that's one. And the second thing is I prefer to run my marketing as if I want someone to get all the way through and say, I'm ready to talk to your salesperson, as opposed to pulling them out of the funnel early and doing that. And so it forces you as a marketer to be more disciplined about how to move people through a complete buying process, not downloading a book so that you can go outbound. So if marketers are feeling pressure from the CEO and the sales that we need leads, we need leads, we need leads. So what are you supposed what are you supposed to do? So like let's say you're working at a technology company and say a cybersecurity company, you're heading up marketing, you want to bring in leads, you need to bring in leads. That's the API. You have a philosophy that let's just give the shit away for free, and they'll see the value. We'll, we'll invest in really good quality content. We will not gate it. They'll read it, and hopefully they'll come back. What are your thoughts? First off, I probably would never work in a company like that for a lot of different reasons. Um, okay, however, but that's not, you're, you're yeah, there. yeah. Just wanted, just, wanted get, just wanted to get that in there. Like, okay, but, but Chris, you did, this is a hypothetical that 99% of marketers are, are, are dealing with. Yeah. I mean, a few might agree with us, which is it's fine. They might be on board. But I'm just saying there's a bunch there that want to do what they can to move away from gated, knowing that's in the best interest in the long term. Yeah. But kind of like a, a congressman gets reelected every two years, you know what I mean? You're, you're like, you always got to prove something now. You can't do things that's in the interest in the medium, the long term. Yeah. I feel, do you think, Mar I think it's a challenge that all marketers have. How can you actually, how can you make that shift even if you believe it? I think the, I think the right shift is to a blended transition. It takes us about two months to make this transition with companies, depending on their sales cycle, like super high ACV products with, year-long sales cycles maybe need to have a longer blend. Um, but what we're going to do is, one, we're going to do immediate optimizations on the lead gen campaigns. 
So immediate optimization, lower, take CPL down as low as we can while not reducing quality. And then so we continue on. We have more budget. And then we start running ungated content campaigns with that free budget with the goal of educating the market, with the goal of moving people into a organic or direct traffic or branded paid search direct conversion um, on the website to talk to sales. And so let me just like walk through that again. I'm going to give people information ungated inside of social channels, direct targeted, not asking them to click on the blog and give me their email address so they can get a demo. The reason that I don't do it that way is because I know that for the majority of people, that's not how a buying process happens, especially at a super complex B2B sale. Okay. And so I'm going to give people information and after one to 90 touch points or more, who knows how much it is. It depends on the product and the person and where they are in their journey and all these different things that they will eventually come back and say, um, branded search blah in Google or blah, 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 brand and direct traffic, come in, read the value proposition, and then click, I want to talk to your sales rep, or I want to get a demo, or I want to quote, or I'll fill out the web chat form, or I'm going to call you. Any of those types of conversions, um, when you have that conversion, your uh, conversion rate to revenue goes through the roof. That is the conversion right. rate. That is the conversion rate across all SaaS companies that I see that has ah, a okay. dramatically, hun- I would say 100x better conversion rate to revenue on that conversion point than any other one that a marketer has. And so so what if your marketing funnels, like your marketing pipeline length is two years? Not SaaS, so more technology. I, I Well, I mean, basically learning is I mean, we serve two different audiences. So yeah. which is, uh, so I just wanted to make sure. So if you got two years, I mean, getting their email to send them a drip campaign once every two or three months over that course, while they continue to learn more and zoom in, you know what I mean? It's a very long end and they might have, they often have an 18 month sales funnel in addition to that. So, I mean, it, wouldn't you say getting their emails is imperative? Like not just when they're ready for like a demo or and all that, but, or do you just think you put good content and keep throwing remarketing content? It, it, continue non-gated remarketing content, hoping that when they're ready to get a demo, even though there's nothing ever saying get a demo, there's no demo ad in front of them that you think that they would convert. I mean, this is just a discussion of communication strategies at this point, right? So it's a Mm -hmm. long sales cycle. It's like how frequently and how effectively are you going and what channels are you going to use to communicate with people throughout that cycle, right? And so if you want to rely on on email, that's fine. But if someone clicked through your ungated blog, you could easily remarket to them forever without needing their email address. So no, that's exactly what I'm saying, right? Yeah. But, but then you can't email. You can't email marketing, marketing automation, and HubSpot marketing, Marketo, whatever n- nurturing campaigns. You that's you're not going to be able to do that. True. Okay, cool. Which goes back to one of your previous comments that marketing marketers won't have anything to do. Well, they're they're, they're going to have to say they do. <laughs> they won't have anything. To, what are they proving that they're doing? Uh, let's see. Uh, Joseph Newton says, uh, "Francine, web intent software like lead feeder." Okay, so it's, people are answering each other's questions in the comments. Okay, awesome. So um, I think there's a difference. So look, remarketing, I think, is actually a big, 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 big. So remarketing in exchange for gated. Yeah, bring something free, mm. and then spend a lot more money on remarketing because you have a much bigger remarketing audience anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, it, de- it really depends on the, on the size of the audience and things like that, but for a majority of things, I don't use remarketing all that much. Um, the reason being is that like if I have a well-defined audience of 100,000 people that I'm trying to hit, I'm going to hit them with every piece of content. Why am I just going to give this one piece to the people, the no, thousand people that have visited my website? Why don't I just hit everyone? And so that's right. the way that I think about it. Um, a lot of people will use remarketing because they think about it like a funnel. 
Um, and I know in complex B2B, it's just not that simple. Right, right. You see people need to get all of the content all of the time. Yeah, which creates uh, brand awareness, consideration, education of pain points, all these different uh, Every, everything. success right. you're stories. Actually, you could be, yeah, you're, 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 on, you're telling them about pain points that they like don't consciously know they have, and then you're pointing it out to them. And like, oh, yeah, in, a, in, a, in a way that doesn't it's feel like an, salesy. Like an infomercial. Remember what those, those infomercials? This is like, do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's what the op- what I'm talking about is the opposite of an infomercial. It would be like more like right, the, just, the New York. I know, Times. I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how do you how do you how does your brand become like the New York Times for that industry that in- educates them? So um, I think that's the core difference. Is a lot of companies are running infomercials. Hey, come get a demo with our uh, you know thing like that. Uh huh. Awesome. Um, we're gonna finish up. If anyone has any comments uh, or questions now at the time, I think yeah, drop them in. I think there's a there's like a 90 second lag. Uh, from what we say to what they hear, it could be it could be up to three minutes. It depends. Um, great. Um, is there anything else? So let's so let's do a summary, and and I'll and I'll put it on you. When should you use Facebook? When should you use? When is it better? To, in your opinion, when is it better to use LinkedIn ads? When is it better to use Facebook ads? Um, you should only use LinkedIn ads at scale if you can't get to your audience on Facebook in an efficient way. Uh, you should also use LinkedIn when you are going after a very narrow either account or uh, persona. Or if you're looking for specifically executive or seniority titles um, or, or seniorities, that's what I would I would use LinkedIn for. And I would also use it for more, um, more like bottom funnel activities. And when, and when would you say it's fair to use Facebook for B2B? When, you preferred? Can, when you can get to the audience, um, when you can get to the audience effectively, whether through any other through any targeting criteria, also if the ACV of the product is less than I, I say it's some somewhere between ten and twenty five k is when it doesn't make sense to use LinkedIn. But yours is thirty. We're in the same type of range. Um, so if the if the business model doesn't support running eighty dollars CPM LinkedIn ads or sixty dollars CPM or one hundred and twenty dollars CPM ads, then you're going to have to figure out a different way to market, whether that's organic or paid Facebook or YouTube or any of those different channels. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like what I'm thinking. Awesome. All right. Uh, Jordan, uh, Chrisman says, do you think it's a mistake to create content for a fictional quote unquote funnel? For instance, uh, conversations on price are considered bottom of the funnel, but sometimes that's the first concerns buyers have. That's interesting. We can't control how people buy. We can only support it. That's a good point. So a lot of people might are confusing the different parts of the funnel. It's I, a psych- yeah. I think it's a psychology question, actually. I don't. Yeah, I don't think about it. I I use the term funnel because people understand that bottom of the funnel is this and mid funnel is ebook and right. webinar. We're using the terminology. I, I use the terminology that people understand, but I don't think about it like a funnel. I think about it like consistent communication about all these different things. Which is why content is king. Is really just putting out regular content and all that. You're really saying top of mind. Yeah, and, and distributing it effectively. I think a lot of companies create good content and nobody actually sees it because of how they distribute it. Correct. I had a, a, a couple of years ago, someone asked me when like no one was posting on LinkedIn. No one's like, so I was like, why are you posting on LinkedIn like every day? There's like, what's your strategy? Is This might sound negative, but my, my answer was to suck all the air out of the room on LinkedIn. <laughs> Basically, it's all you would see on my organic content. Uh, yeah, I mean, for a lot of people that aren't, aren't uh, so I know several people that don't aren't actively making connections on LinkedIn. So they're 
3,000 connections have accumulated from all the different jobs and things that they have. And all those, the 299, 2,999 connections they have never post. And so I become number one in their feed all the time. Correct. That's changing, so, by the way. How so? I'm yeah, just we can, we can jam forward. on LinkedIn organic for a while. Let's do it. All right. So uh, l let me... I Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you go because I don't even know how to start. That's all I think about. And uh, you do too. Okay. For those that don't know, Chris has a huge following, a great audience, and excellent content on LinkedIn. You should go over and, and hit him a follow. Um, so uh, where, what do you think is, what's the best way other than we were talking about this before and we didn't really talk further. I said, what is the thing is that, well, of course, it's such a, sounds like such a dumb question, but like what, what's the best way, right, to create an audience on, on, on LinkedIn? Your answer would be everyone else's, which I think if you think about it for a second, everyone, before I say it, right, is it going to, which you said, is just create more content. Um, but let's say beyond that, let's say you want to get to an audience where you regularly get 200 likes, 200 likes in a post. Yeah. What do you, th you just think it's a numbers game of getting more relevant followers or, or more connections or what are your thoughts? In any content strategy on any platform, you need good content and you need people to see it. And so there That's are quite a, there are, there are a lot of people that produce good content on LinkedIn and have a thousand connections and very few people see it and that's why they don't get traction. And so you need a strategy for both. So there's a strategy for how do I create the best content on the platform that's going to resonate with a specific well-defined audience of people and how am I going to continue to build an audience so more people see it and when more people see it, more people engage with it and when more people engage with it, it starts getting amplified to the second and third degree and it snowballs along the way so you continue to grow your audience from there. Mm -hmm. So going out and actively connecting with people not through sales navigator filters, but actively connecting with people that use the platform every day is, is, uh, that would also be really interested in the content that you're publishing is the unlock for people. Right. So what I found is I would find people that, um, by the way, I generally speaking focus a lot on Israel because there's the network effect. What I've learned is, um, and what I learned is that like, uh, uh, I've given this example many times to my audience. They'll know what I'm going to say. But if you and I were connected, and let's say there's a third person, um, I don't know, let's say Francine, who's in the comments, right? Uh, if I was connected with you and I, and I was connected with Francine, but the two of you are not connected, and if you like my post, Francine is not more likely to see it. But if you and Francine are also connected and you like my post, Francine is more likely to see my post and just said, you know, Chris Walker liked y'all's post. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm discovering just for my own. I, would you would you agree with that? I mean, if so, I'll take it. I'll just take it a step further. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure. I mean, I, we I, don't have any proof, but do you, are you feeling the same thing? Um, it's not, it sounds accurate. I mean, I believe in, in the network effect for a lot of different reasons. Right, okay. What other reasons do you believe in it? Um, I think that when more people engage with your content, it signals to the algorithm to go and send it to people that are not connected with you, which then gets more visibility to your content. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, well, I think about it in probably just a more simplified manner of what you're seeing. Got it. What percentage of your likes are second degree or third degree? I've never run, I've never run the numbers, and it's tough because a lot of people follow me that I'm not connected with. So, right, it makes sense. Legit. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Right. Awesome. Uh, what other, what, what other, are there any other insights? What have you learned based on, let's say, looking at your own data of things that you post, maybe that you can share with other people, some kind of insights? Yeah. A couple things that I'm noticing right now a lot, um, is mixing up the different types of content is super important. I am 100% pot committed on video content and video content can be an audiogram that some people see from me or an actual live action type of film video. Um, both of those can work. You're going to get less views 
So anyone right. that's looking yeah, at anyone that's we'll talk about that because any, I, anyone I, that's looking at vanity metrics is immediately going to get pushed away from doing video, despite the fact that video drives way more business results, even though you get correct. less views. Um, and so um, mixing up the different content. So I use text posts for scale when I'm trying to, and then so text posts for scale, video as I start to get more deep into topics and things like that. And there's just a, a mix. Um, so testing testing that has been interesting. A second thing that, that's really interesting, if you're if you're going to post a video, make sure that you spend uh, some time writing thoughtful copy with it because the copy that goes along with the video is super important for whether or not that video uh, gets seen and has engagement. That's a good point. By the way, it's true about uh, just writing text is actually will get you more scale. Or and often, by the way, I'd upload a photo too because they're more likely to slow down in the newsfeed and maybe read a little bit instead of scrolling past it. Mm -hmm. And for those that didn't understand what he meant about the views for the vanity metric, when you make a video, it actually shows views. Views from a video means they clicked into it and watched at least three seconds, right? Um, however, a view on a post means that literally you just scrolled right by it and you never even read or saw it. But it, some part of your post was somewhere on the screen. Uh, that's basically, that's the difference, which is why I would say usually like 3x you might get uh, on a on a non-video post to a video post. The, that's about the numbers that I'm seeing more or less. But yeah, so the, but videos really and audio, which uh, you're very good at. You actually make a great connection with people and making that connection makes it really easy. Um, but and I'll tie it back in this thing we talked about earlier is uh, one of the things that uh, I do for some clients that have like uh, free trials or they want to see a demo, but they're not, let's say you, you want them to see a demo, but they don't feel comfortable reaching out to a salesperson. We'll just have the video of a demo or what it looks like once you sign up for a free trial, like start playing as a video and then add in their feed. So they see yeah. what it looks like. So then it takes off that pressure. They understand when it gets a custom demo for them, they're more likely to, to request it. They feel a little more comfortable. And so therefore, yeah. if they actually see you on video, you talking, you expressing yourself, that goes much further than, uh, than I think than just text. You've kind of, they feel like that they have a relationship with you. Yeah, uh, you we know, do something people, a little, sorry to interject. We do something no, no, a little bit it. different on LinkedIn paid, which I think is interesting, which is that we use animated videos like, somewhere between 15 seconds and a minute um, inside of feed with a link out to the website, which then describes the feature and has a short video, like a mini demo ungated. And so um, that's how that's one way that we use paid to get people into the product um, as opposed to making them fill out a form and then having an SDR hunt them down and hope that they can go through a process. There's too much friction at that point in the buying process is what I find. Do you think people are there too many? Uh, we'll bring it back to LinkedIn in a second. Do you think there are too many salespeople? Mm. Like, meaning, like, there are too many salespeople, and that puts too much pressure on marketers to provide more leads or people for them to call or reach out to, as opposed to taking it slower and maybe having one or less sales, you know, cut the salespeople back? Um, I, I wouldn't be able to make a blanket statement across that, but there are a lot sure of intuition. A lot of software companies have. Um, too many salespeople to support the amount of demand they have for their product, which is why their customer acquisition costs on outbound are high. Got it. You're you should go into politics. I like how you, you don't like to make blank too. We're here for your your experience, your intuition. Just you know, just you can. Yeah, I mean, there, you there's nuances you and differences in a lot of things, but like there are some companies that um, are five million dollars in revenue and have, probably have two account executives because they're really good at demand gen and marketing. Right, and, and yeah, there are other other companies that have. 30 salespeople and are at 5 million in revenue because they're 
they don't have good demand generation and their customer acquisition costs are higher. They're often more busy and then they stop nagging the marketing and then that gives the marketers more space to do what you want and what you need. So if you're in a market and you can somehow influence, I think, to have less salespeople, I think that might actually be in your advantage. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's driven on a couple of things. It's driven on um, uh, too, too much focus on sales from a budget standpoint in an organization. Um, unrealistic goals required to continue to raise money and marketers not doing the right things that drive the right results. And so those three things put together, put pressure on both sides of the organization. Awesome. Uh, Hadas Levin says a thank you and very interesting. He's a big marketer salesperson in cybersecurity. Um, awesome. Um, anything else you want to share about the LinkedIn algorithm that you feel that you learned or about posting on LinkedIn or something about engaging? Do you find uh, what kind of value could you create for yourself from engaging? Um, I, and, uh, and then I have a question about lurkers I want to ask you before we sign off. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I use the comments of LinkedIn for one-to-one -one communication and market research. So I get so many questions on my posts that I know that other CMOs are asking. I get objections on my posts about some things that then I can figure out how to address. Uh, I can test messaging to see whether or not something resonates with people. And so I use it as um, a lot of people that would think that I outsource my comments. Like the, when I answer a message, it's not me. Or when I answer comments, it's not me. The value of the platform isn't actually using it. And so um, I, I know a lot of people would think that it was it's a waste of an hour to use that time to go and talk to people. Um, uh, they're, they're wrong. And they're, so wrong. they're dead wrong, yeah. But I mean, the, uh, what I've, I always tell people on my team, so everyone on my team, we, everyone has to post every day on LinkedIn, right, once a day that's the rule and um and i always tell them like i was like dude someone commented you hit like how did you not reply you know what yep. i mean like a book they went out of their way and they would stop and engage like if you want them to engage again let them just reply it could just be thanks it could be a thumbs up in a reply it goes mm -hmm. much further than clicking like yep. and I, so I really think taking that extra minute and by the way as a marketer whatever you're working on any any business you're, you're involved in the feedback that you get on linkedin is very very important you can really you can you can uh, you can sharpen your you know sharpen your sword like you you can really you can get better at at your posts your engagement feel the needs out of your audience it's it's really amazing you know what I mean it doesn't get watered down by uh, uh, by let's say other comments or the, the, let's say other platforms just say it's much I think the value that you'll get from the engagement on LinkedIn is much stronger and gives you a lot more value than it would on other platforms and I see probably twenty percent of my posts are from either engagement in comments on either my own post or other people's. So I Wait, get say it. Again. I, uh, say it again, say it again. 20% of my actual posts start, originate from discussion comment. in comments in my own post or in other people's posts, which then give, the, me, give me more ideas about what to talk, talk about. We were talking about this earlier and I was saying, the more we work on accounts, the more ideas we have to make engage, the more, the more ideas we have to uh, to write posts, right? The more value we can provide. Precisely. Because if you're, I mean, you, you got to be learning when you're working on it. You got to be learning two, three, four, five things a day. I mean, something or an insight. It doesn't have to be, you know, statistical or factual, but just something. Or just figuring out a new way to articulate something, right? Well, okay. So that's something yeah. I want to talk about because so I was I was telling uh, uh, I was telling someone about so one of the really things I liked about your podcast. You were talking about that you spend like some things that you share. You didn't come up with it. You just like knew it for five years but you kind of figure out how to articulate it over time. I think that's one of actually the great things about creating content, forcing yourself to create content, whether you prefer to write, audio, video, whatever it is, um, is that actually, 
when you force yourself to articulate, when you force yourself to create, you actually get yourself thinking more. And then you find out all of your ideas, you actually have an uh, avenue, a venue, a way to create. And uh, so, you know, a lot of times when you people share things, you know, I mean, they think that, oh, they're new to it. They're just sharing it's new. But it's actually, these are things that we've been stewing over for our, a long time. We've been thinking about and we're starting to you know, see a little sunlight on it. So then we kind of, we put it out there and see what other people think. Yeah, I got, I got nothing to add on that. It makes perfect sense. All right, sweet. Uh, anything else you want to add before we tell people where they can find you? I think I'm good, man. This was All fun. Right, Thank you. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks so much for joining our LinkedIn Live. Uh, so Chris Walker uh, from Refinance. First off, where can they find your podcast, which is great? Uh, the podcast is on um, wherever all po- – I mean, it goes on to like eight podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, all these different things. What should things. they search for? It's called, State, it's called State of State Demand Gen. There you go. State of Demand Gen. So awesome. we're, putting, we're putting somewhere between three and ep- seven episodes a week on there. All long, all long form content. The long form content of the podcast then becomes short form content on LinkedIn. So if you're like, you see something on LinkedIn, there's usually a link uh, in the comments. The first comment from me that links you to the long form podcast if you want to learn more. Awesome. Fantastic. And if you guys want to uh, hear this recording, you can either go see it on my activity or it will be up on my YouTube channel uh, next week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. And uh, stay safe, everyone. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.